You are listening to the Horizons Church Podcast. What up with you? Wow. I took a totally different tack this time. Yeah, I'm going to go with, uh, how's it? Like, how's it? Yeah, yeah, like H-O-W-Z-I-D. Like, how's it, how's it going? How's it? Mm-hmm. That brings up an interesting point. What? It does? Well, maybe not so much interesting as why do we spell words differently than they are said? Do you know what I'm saying? Exactly. Why, why is C an S? Oh. Does that make sense, what sure. I'm saying now? Because you just pointed out Mm. you know how's it Mm -hmm. you would expect a z somehow to be in the phonetically there feels like a z yeah and when you use that like that word specifically that like when you're saying it you know what i mean Mm -hmm. but in real life it's h-o-w apostrophe s yeah and that's all i had to say about that oh wow really nothing actually worthwhile in that digression hey you know what i apologize to all of you listening that you had to endure through that. Maybe you're one of those people who just skips through everything. You just like hit the 30 <laughs> second forward button until we actually start getting to the content. Um, I'm not going to lie. There are some podcasts. I do that. I do that too sometimes. I actually have the theme, the theme intro for almost every single podcast skip through. Um, yep. The ones that start off with like chunky sponsors. Yes. I skip through a huge portion. Skipping through the sponsors. Yeah. And, and the, the sad thing is wherever I land, that's where I start. I, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like if I miss you're a like little bit. You're like halfway through oh, well. the conversation. Like, I'll figure you're it like, out. Well, context clues yeah i can i can figure this out that can be done yeah Yeah, clearly that is something (laughs) that one can do so maybe maybe you've skipped all this maybe you're landing right now whoa welcome to the rise of podcast (laughs) i'm ethan that's josiah yeah thanks thanks for trying you care so much (laughs) we were talking about something really important so you better go back and skip 30 seconds backwards <laughs> or oh, you will never man. understand this podcast. Yeah, the whole thing, well, it'll just fall apart. <laughs> I'm kidding. If you already skipped a pack, I apologize. <laughs> and you're at this point now. Welcome back. Welcome back, back. This is about as confusing as the timeline and tenant now. Like, where we are, I don't, I don't know what's happening. Well, let's just get straight into it. All right. Dun, 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 dun. I think it's time, Ethan. Mm-hmm. I think it's time for another episode of... <laughs> Is this phrase biblical? (laughs) I love it. Yeah. Mm. It's always a fun time to crush the (laughs) understanding. You joke, but I don't. It is, I get a strange satisfaction. Oh, well, I'm I'm glad for that. But I think part of that is not malicious. Not that, right. Not that, but I feel like it can be freeing or refreshing to come back around to something that you've you've held in your mind for a very long time. Be it through yeah. like tradition or culture, and then be like, whoa, what if this has been poorly framed? Yeah. What if we could reframe it and have a better understanding that is maybe more truthful or more helpful? I find that just fun, actually, in a weird way. I guess it's just kind of like how exciting to completely dismantle something. <laughs> <laughs> And then maybe find something of greater value as a result. (laughs) Wow. Humanity. (laughs) Learning. (laughs) What is this, reading rainbow? (laughs) You wouldn't remember that? LeVar Burton. It's so good. (laughs) It is. It is. That was a great way to frame what's happening here, (laughs) by the way. Drawn out out way of framing it. (laughs) Well, uh, today's phrase that we're going to look at and determine whether or not it is biblical is... God works everything out for good. <laughs> is this a biblical statement? And if so, what does it mean and how does it apply? Because sometimes life sucks. <laughs> I'm picturing the Who Wants to Be a Millionaire sound effects. Like, 
that's that's good. That's good. Yeah. Now that is what I'm going to hear in my head. Well, uh, the short answer to the question is that phrase biblical is kinda. <laughs> Fair it's kind of biblical. Yeah. I yeah. Th- you know, I think it's especially loaded because I think it can fuel a lot of like false optimism or like maybe misplaced idealism. Sure. Yeah. And I think it even can ignore the notion of a heavenly perspective that it's so much bigger than ourselves than what we see as quote unquote good. Yes. Like that might not be what we think it is or what we think we want. Yeah. Yeah. I, you have pertinently said everything worth saying on that regard because thanks for joining us (laughs) (laughs) well no because we do load statements like that with our own understandings and definitions of say the word good yeah which is going to have a massive impact obviously on how you take that phrase and how you expect that to play out in real life. So the statement, God works everything out for good, is a truncation, a shortening of Romans 8.28, which is, of course, biblical. It's a Bible verse, naturally. But Romans 8.28 fully reads, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. So the shortened version of that contains part of the truth, but it misses the whole picture. And you could probably already detect this, that Mm -hmm. it does so in a really rather unhelpful way, I think. Yeah, well, you're cutting off two thirds of this, basically the whole front and the whole end of it. So what are we losing when we do that? Yeah. When you do that, And you take this shorthand phrase, I do think it gives you the idea, even though it really doesn't explicitly say so, you're still going to get the idea that God works out everything for good, Hmm. indiscriminately, for all people, no matter what, and good is probably going to fit, as you said, your (laughs) definition of good. Right. And at that point, it stands to become this kind of flimsy platitude that people just use as a pat on the back to make each other feel better. Yeah. So... In those situations, it becomes one of those phrases that we'll use to try and comfort people in the midst of hardship that really, yeah. unfortunately, rings hollow when it could it could be an amazing ground for comfort and, and mm-hmm. consolation. But instead, we end up using it in a way that's sort of like, well, this stinks, but don't fret too much because God is going to work everything together for your good and just smile and yeah, it's take great, it like a champ. It's great to hear that when you're at the bottom and you're hearing that from someone who has no context for what you're going yeah, through. It's like, oh, thanks. <laughs> that was really helpful thank you i can just picture one of job's friends having said that to job when he is oh yeah sitting in the ashes and all of those things oh what's that i I still have boils and no family (laughs) (laughs) it's just like what (laughs) oh Oh, i laugh because otherwise i would cry Yeah, so obviously I don't want to downplay the absolute gloriousness of this promise, because as I've said, you know, this truth, as it's fully contained in Romans 8.28, should be a massive source of comfort and strength for Christians. But we do need to talk about how the shorthand phrase really does miss the thrust of the whole sentence. Mm -hmm. And it then does become that really hollow platitude, because what Romans 8.28 actually says, again, is that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. So there are two pretty big things to note there. First, For those who love God, all things work together for good. So this promise does not apply to everyone indiscriminately. It is a pretty focused promise. I mean, for example, this promise didn't apply to, say, Judas Iscariot or the religious authorities who never repented of their sin. Things that didn't really end up working out for them, unfortunately. This promise is given to a very specific target audience, those who love God, those who 
have placed their faith in Christ. Those who are pursuing a life of holiness and step with the Spirit. Those who have heard the beautiful and irresistible call of God and responded with love toward him. All those people <laughs> that, you know, fall into that kind of broad category. Right. That's who the promise is meant for. Well, I think in a weird way, and this is admittedly off topic, but it, it can almost highlight a sense of feeling undeserving to me. Sure, yeah. Like being in on this elite crowd with cosmically ordained benefits. Oh, yeah. You, you know, like uh, the creator of the universe has cut out this club for us. Um, <laughs> But again, I feel like when you start thinking that way, that like it's this ultra special stuff reserved for you. I find myself when I'm thinking that, that uh, I'm assuming good is a synonym for comfortable and easy. Right. Again, it's my terms, which is decidedly not the promise here. Yes. And I almost wonder if it would be better taken as like a cautionary reassurance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think the obvious comparison is maybe Jeremiah 29, 11. Oh, uh, yes. Classic. Um, <laughs> but that that is showing up in lots of graduation cards right now. Oh, yeah. And the promise of hope is in that verse. The word is there. Right. But it's not the way I would think about it. Yeah. I don't think it's the way that they would think about it. Yeah. Um, the context is really dire. It doesn't look much like hope from a human perspective. Yeah. When you are being carried off into captivity by a ruthless foreign power. For like, what, 70 years? Yeah. Lots of you going to die there. Yeah. Uh, that's precisely right. Like, you're not going to come back home yeah. and to hear the word that God has a plan for you, yeah. a promise, a hope, plans to prosper you, you start thinking, what in the world could that mean? Because <laughs> sure I'm being, that? I'm going off into captivity. How, so how yeah. Do you, how do you define prosper, God? Yeah, that's exactly right. Like, how are you defining that? And I think you have helpfully noted, you really do have to let God define yeah. those terms. And that, I think, brings us to that second thing worth noting in this promise, in this verse, is that we are never explicitly told how God will work everything out mm. for our good, or yeah. what that good will actually look like on this side of eternity. In other words, we're not promised that we'll have a clear picture of how God is working everything together for our good. We're not going to get to see all the pieces come together. We're not necessarily going to have the mansion with, you know, the the two kids or the, what is it, the two and a half kids and the white (laughs) picket fence. I mean, yeah, God gets to define what good is and he really does mean good. It's not as if there's some sort of uh, dissonance between, oh, well, God's version of good is actually one day you're going to end up in suffering for martyrdom. Yeah, yeah. Like the ultimate end, which I know that can also be used as kind of a cop-out for Christians, but there is a sense in which no matter what happens on this side, the ultimate end is good Mm -hmm. and everything is working to lead you to that point. Some of it doesn't feel particularly pleasant to us in any given moment, mayhaps. But like, take a concrete example. Joseph in uh, Genesis Mm. 37 through 50. Joseph got to see the bigger picture of how God meant for good what his brothers meant for evil by the end of his life. Oh, that's that's such a good example, too. Mm -hmm. Very popular story in our house. Yeah. Yeah. uh, (laughs) um, There's like a great deal of of misery in that story, but after what is an excruciating wait in terms of time. I mean, so much time goes by and such such a terrible time it is. Yes. All of that is proved to serve a a purpose. Yeah, because by the time Joseph has risen to power, he can clearly trace God's providential hand and see, oh yes, here's precisely how God worked everything out for my good, my family's good, Egypt's good, like the world's good basically at that point. I was sent to Egypt and I endured all this hardship so that I could achieve this position in Pharaoh's court and save the world from a famine and so on. I mean, he got to see the picture. And that was a gift, an enormous gift, one that we may or may not receive ourselves. Exactly, exactly. The end of the day, though, the promise does stand that for those of us who love God, everything does become our servant, so to speak, for our good. Hmm. Every experience in our life 
serves to work out God's good purpose for us. Even the evil intentions of our enemy. Satan may mean things for our harm, but God means those same things for our good, which again highlights. Yeah, even take the examples from earlier, like with Judas Iscariot. We have these pivotal events that take place that have to play a role for the gospel story. Yeah. And yet these tragic things were carefully and, you know, beautifully used for like the greatest rescue plan. Yeah. Yeah. And again, you know, I mean, the greatest evil in human history was crucifying the son of God. And that was exactly what brought us our salvation. So when God says he's working everything for our good, that does not exclude the reality of something as horrible as crucifixion serving that good. So I think that really does inform how we understand this promise. And I think that gives us a deeper hope at the end of the day, that even when life is hard and we are suffering and there's pain and things don't appear to be going our way, we can really rest assured that if God could rescue us through the crucifixion of his son and mean that for our ultimate good, how much more can he mean the hardships that we're enduring now for our good too? Certainly. So if you take that truncated phrase, I think it becomes an empty platitude. I think if you understand the whole verse and then you apply it appropriately, it becomes a greater source of hope. Yeah. Because I still... This maybe sounds controversial. I think you should be comforting other people with this promise before the hardship comes. Oh. Does that make sense? I think we should be kind of inoculating ourselves before. You should have this in your soul before yeah. you have to be reminded in the worst moment of your life. Yeah, because at the point, like, let's say I go through some terrible tragedy and you are coming to me and you're like, well, just, the I, first thing you say is, well, this is all working for your good. All working that's, for your good. I would say that's pastorally kind of inappropriate. Job's friends, to come back to them, did exactly. much better when they were sitting silently for seven days. Yeah. Now, obviously, there is a place and a time when you do come back and remind people of the truth, but you have to be sensitive. I would I would almost be tempted to wait for the, like that roiling pain, the epicenter of this to be over. Yeah. And then like once things have begun to cool off, be like, listen, yeah. you know, like that blemish on your life is not all it's meant to be. Like that's, right. I don't know, even that sounds a little bit <sighs> cringy. Yeah. But. And I think there is a place where in some respect you take a promise like this and if someone who has really been in a place of hardship or pain, even if you wait a while, there will be this kind of inevitable feeling of like, oh, this just feels so... Because like, let's say you're not the person going through that. It feels like, man, who am I to remind someone of this when I've not had to endure? (laughs) Exactly. Um, But I think there is a way of approaching that that says... I'm in a place where I am, for lack of a better term, I'm stronger in that I've not had to bear this burden. And I can come alongside them and help them bear their burden. And sometimes that looks like saying yeah. a promise or it looks like just... You don't even have to... This You don't even necessarily have to be saying this to someone. Yeah. You could just be a presence there yeah. to help them get to this point. Yeah. You don't necessarily have to be the messenger of the promise, yeah. I guess, is something yeah. I just... You could be part of how God is working everything exactly. for their good. Exactly. So, I yeah. Think, like, and great that I'm just now thinking about something I've, I've certainly not thought through or wordsmithed. <laughs> Here we go. Um, I actually find a little bit of strange comfort in the fact that you don't... Or perhaps, uh, for, okay, Joseph, for example. Yeah. He got to see everything woven together yeah. in this incredible way. We are not given that promise. We're not given yep. that guarantee that we will see and understand. This good that it brings, we might not live to see. Sure. I am actually comforted by that and mm-hmm. that I don't have to be like looking for the turn. Sure. Yeah. I don't have to be like, okay, where's the, where, like, when's it coming, God? Like, yeah. <laughs> looking at my watch and I haven't figured out how this works. Like, I'm not promised that. It's not owed to me directly yeah. to see that happen. Mm-hmm. All 
I really need to do is remember this and know that I can trust God. Yeah. And to know that it's not, quote unquote, good by my terms and definitions. Yeah. So why why even look for that? Mm-hmm. Why even look for ways that it would be forced into this very small box of my understanding and, yeah. and rather just know that whatever this is, it's difficult and terrible and unpleasant to survive, but at the same time, in ways that perhaps I will never see or yep. even understand or, or appreciate that it's something that God will still use. Yeah. And I get the sneaking suspicion that if like the story of Joseph is any indication, if you're going to get that on this side of things, it'll be pretty obvious. Like You'll <laughs> see like when Joseph's like, I've saved everyone and <laughs> my brothers have come bowing to me like in the dream. Oh, of course. <laughs> so, oh. yeah. So I would say that the phrase God works everything out for good. Yeah. I'd stick with my answer. Kind of biblical. Kind of, yeah. you know, it's missing, it's as you easily, pointed out, two thirds of yeah. the the side of it. So I would just go with the full verse. It's you're not using that much more <laughs> breath or mind space to say the whole thing. Right. So you're welcome, listeners. Exactly. So yeah, that concludes this edition of Is this phrase biblical? Look at that right there. There we go. We don't need a soundboard. No, <laughs> we don't need that. Who needs that? Well, thank you as always for listening. We do hope that this episode was helpful to you. If it was and you want to leave us an honest five-star review, that'd be great. If you leave a low one, we'll trust that God is going to work it right. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. In ways the, I may never understand. <laughs> the sufferings we must endure. <laughs> but if you have any questions on this or any other topic, you can email us at podcast at horizonschurch.net or you can interact with us on social media thank you as always for listening and we will catch you next time Mm